Hey, Excel. Uh, once again, just want to say hi that we miss you. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all being safe. I'm glad you're able to jump on with us right now. Um, I was thinking as I was preparing this the other day, I was I was in my office. And uh, if you've ever been in my office or been near my office, you'll notice that I have a yearly calendar every year uh, up on the wall. And uh, I was looking at this calendar and um, I was like impressed and sad at the same time because, man, I had the entire year planned out. I mean, the whole calendar was filled, highlighted. There was just multiple things uh, from January through December. Everything was outlined. Uh, I was just really encouraged because I felt like, man, I was really getting ahead of everything. You know, I was really uh, planning things four, five, six months, 12 months out. And uh, it was exciting, you know, something that I was kind of proud of. And then I realized how utterly pointless that calendar is right now. Because all my plans went out the window when coronavirus and this whole pandemic hit. Everything that I thought we were going to do, everything that I had planned from ministry activities to camps and, uh, you know, all these extra stuff and link events and just everything that we had lined up uh, got thrown out the window. And I was a little just sad about that and disappointed. And then I just started to realize how I didn't have time to think about that. You know, it's one of those things I just started to notice it because when it all hit, I had to figure out what we were going to do. We couldn't just stop, right? Well, I can't just stop working or I'd be out of a job. But even more than that, beyond my, you know, means uh, of, of finance, uh, I can't stop doing what God called me to do. We are on a mission to accomplish the things that God has called us to accomplish. And so I started thinking about something this week and um, I, I started thinking about the word creed. And a creed is like a, a, a model or a, a way of thinking that guides a lot of principles in your life. And various people have various creeds. Uh, you know, you hear them all over the place. Um, stuff like, um, uh, let me see, uh, I'm trying to think of like the gym ones, you know, where it's like uh, no pain, no gain, right? That's somebody's creed. Like, I'm, I'm just going to keep going and, until I feel the burn. And this is just something people live by. For me, a lot of it was, uh, if I can, I will. You know, I, I never wanted laziness to be a reason why I didn't serve people. And so there's all these different creeds. And the Marines, they have an interesting model that they go by that has been echoing in my mind for the past couple of weeks and uh, really formed a lot of what this message is about and I thought it was so fitting for where we find ourselves in right now not just in the pandemic but even with school starting now and at least for the first quarter of CPS you're going to be remotely some of you are not in CPS and you're already going to be going to school uh, we're not sure if this will only be for a quarter for the whole year like there's just so much uncertainty there, there's so little that we can actually plan for that it becomes difficult and the marine model I think is so cool it's improvise, adapt, overcome. Improvise, adapt, overcome. Now, this is particularly important for a Marine uh, or, or any person in the military because, truth be told, they, they train really hard, they plan really well, they get everything they can in order. But when they are actually in battle, when they are out in the field doing the actual work, very rarely does everything lined up as planned. Very rarely do they have all the equipment they need. Very rarely do they have 
uh, you know, as much as they need. Very rarely do uh, things end up being exactly how they thought they were going to be. And so in those instances, they have to be willing to improvise, adapt, and overcome. And in those cases, it's the highest of stakes because if they fail to improvise, adapt, and overcome, it could very well cost them their lives. Now, for you and I, I think it's this season it's important to understand this model. It may not cost you your physical life, but it might cost you your spiritual life. It might cost you your mental health. It might cost you some hours of sleep. It might cost you some levels of stress. It'll cost you if you are unable to improvise, adapt, and overcome. And so if, if you can open your Bibles, I want to look at a story in the Bible where I feel like we can see this. Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, there's this uh, group of friends that uh, decide to do something. Uh, it's five friends, and one of those friends is a paralyzed man. And so they hear about Jesus, and they've heard all the rumors. You know, Jesus is growing in popularity. People are hearing about the miracles that he's doing and the healings that he's accomplishing. And they decide to take their friend to Jesus because he's paralyzed in the hopes that Jesus would heal their paralyzed friend. And so I want us to look at Mark chapter 2. We're going to read the first five verses. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole in the, through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. This is an interesting story because uh, I'm imagining these, these guys just kind of hanging out, five of them doing their thing, and, uh, and they get word that Jesus is back. They get word that this man who has the ability to heal people, that this prophet or God or whatever they imagined he was at that point because people had different opinions in that moment on who Jesus was, they heard he's back. One of them must have been like, dude, what if we bring Bill over there? I'm just going to pretend that's the paralyzed man. I might come up with different names throughout this. But like, yo, what if we bring Bill over there? And, and maybe that guy can heal our friend. But I want you to notice that as they come up with this plan, there are moments in it each time where they have to improvise, adapt, and overcome. And the first thing I realized where they have to improvise, if you think about it, is in the actual bringing of their friend, right? They had to physically take their friend to Jesus and their friend was paralyzed. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is improvise. And if you maybe want to, in parentheses, put something next to it, write down the word mat. This is the time before wheelchairs, right? We don't know if they had access to a donkey or a horse and a cart. We don't know if their friend could physically, uh, you know, handle riding on top of one of those. Well, we're not sure what they had or didn't have access to. Or should I say, we know what they did have. They had a mat. And at some point, 
they improvised. They decided, okay, well, we, we want to get our friend there, and we got to figure out a way to get him there. And I wonder if maybe they went through a few different trials, right? Maybe at first they thought, well, how about we carry him, right? Like uh, piggyback style. And, or maybe he was too heavy, and they thought, well, what if we each grab an arm and a leg, and that can be uncomfortable, right? That, that can be almost painful. Uh, I wonder if they went through a few scenarios until they got to the idea of saying, hey, let's, let's lay him on the mat. There's four of us, right, that each can take a corner. We'll pick up this corner and we'll carry him over on his mat to Jesus. This might be the easiest way to do that. Regardless of what they did, they had to improvise. And I love that they didn't worry about what they didn't have. They just focused on what they did have. Listen, with everything going on, a lot of you are going to be forced to improvise. Uh, that word improvise just means to to come up with a new way all of a sudden. It means you didn't have a plan and you have to figure out a way to do it uh, out of the seat of your pants. You just have to, you got to make it happen. And uh, if you take my wife and I, we're very different. Where my wife is a planner, my wife needs to know the plan in every detail. And I'm very much an improviser. I'm just like, eh, we'll figure out when we get there. I don't know. We'll just, we'll, we'll play by ear. We'll, we'll see what goes on. Improvisers drive planners crazy. So those of you who are listening around and you're a planner, this season is driving you nuts because you're not sure how to prepare. You're not sure what to plan for. You're not sure how you're going to do it. But I need you to understand that's not just this season. That's life. Life is going to have moments where things aren't going to go as planned and you're going to be forced in a situation where you're just going to have to improvise, where you're just going to have to make the best of a bad situation, where you're just going to have to figure out how do we make this happen? Right. Some of you with, with remote schooling, you're like, man, there's a lot of distractions at home. Uh, there, there's stuff that I'm not sure how I'm going to get alone. Some of you are going to have to improvise. Right. Maybe you're going to have to clear your closet out and make a little makeshift uh, classroom where you can close the door and shut everybody out. Maybe uh, you're going to need to use your headphones. And thank God somebody got you noise canceling headphones. And, you know, for a few hours, you focus in on that. Maybe you, you sit outside of a building that has Wi-Fi because your internet access is shoddy and, and you focus on there. Maybe you go to a coffee shop that's open and you're able to do schoolwork there. I mean, regardless of it, you can't just be like, oh, well, this is too difficult, so I'm not going to do it. And the problem with those who fail to improvise is usually they fail to do anything. They just sit back and accept the fact that this is too difficult and they won't do it. Uh, one of my favorite looks when it comes to improvisation is David when he was a young man and he was bringing lunch to his brothers and sisters who were on the battlefield as the Israelites were at war with the Philistines. David had no intention to fight. He probably wasn't old enough. That's why he wasn't with his brothers. He was just bringing them lunch. His dad's like, hey, listen, go bring some lunch to your brothers. And he's like, all right, I got you. And he goes to bring lunch. And as he goes, he sees this giant Philistine named Goliath who's coming out and taunting all the Israelites and challenging somebody to a one-on-one -on -one battle. And all the Israelites are terrified except for David who's like, who does this dude think he is? You know what? If none of you are going to do it, I'll do it. And so, you know, he makes a deal with the king and, and the king agrees to let him do it. But I want you to notice something. If you look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 38 through 40, then Saul, who's the king, gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail, chain mail. David put it on, strapped a sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these 
he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started out across the valley to fight the Philistines. David's armor, the one that he was being offered, didn't fit. Not only did it not fit, but uh, he wasn't used to it. He didn't really know how to work in it. He said, I'd rather improvise. I'd rather take five stones and use what I got then focus on what I don't got and, and worry about what everybody else does. Listen, just because everybody else decides that's how you fight a battle doesn't mean that was the best way for David to fight a battle. Everyone else might do it one way, but you might learn a different way. Listen, for some of you, uh, you need that lecture and just reading isn't going to help. But we're in an age where you have the internet and you can go on and you can find YouTube videos. You can find tutorials. You can ask one of our leaders if you need help in tutoring. There are innovative ways that if you're willing to improvise and you're willing to worry about what you got instead of worrying about what you don't got, you'll be able to overcome and have victory in your fights. The group of friends, like I said, they didn't have a wheelchair, but they had a mat. They improvised. They said, listen, we're not going to worry about what we don't have because we still have a mission, which is to bring our friend to Jesus. And so we're going to use the mat that we've been given and we're going to take them there. Listen, some of the best outcomes come from improvisation. Uh, one of my favorite movies growing up was Lord of the Rings. Now that maybe some of you got some time before school starts, maybe you can watch that epic saga uh, Lord of the Rings is a great movie and uh, there's this one scene where Aragorn, one of these mighty warriors in the movie, he's frustrated at a situation and out of his frustration, he kicks this helmet across the whole valley basically and he just screams in this utter desperation of frustration. Just one of those, ah, and man, when you watch it, you're like, bro, I feel you. But if you go behind the scenes, and we didn't find this out till years later as, you know, stories of, of what was going on during filming came out. The actor who played Aragon, Vito Morgensen, he, he tells this story uh, that's incredible. When he kicks the helmet, he thinks the helmet is a prop, but it was a real metal helmet. So when he kicks it, thinking it's a prop, he kicks a solid chunk of metal and actually breaks his toes. So when he screams, that's not fake agony. That's real pain. But it was so good that they decided to keep it. It, it, was, it wasn't planned. It wasn't what they decided. It wasn't what they wanted to do. He was improvising and in the midst of improvising, experienced real pain and had a real experience that came across the screen. You know, sometimes an unexpected moment of pain can be used to create a lifetime of joy if you are willing to improvise and take what you got and make something out of it. So these four friends bring their paralyzed buddy all the way over to the house where Jesus is staying. And when they get there, they realize this is too packed. Right? Another thing that doesn't go according to plan. Their plan was, we'll get there, we'll bring our friend in, we'll take him to Jesus, and Jesus will do his healing thing. I don't know if they anticipated a crowd. I don't know if they realized how many other people probably had the same idea and were going to the same man for different ailments, right? I don't know if they realized what was going to happen, but the point is when they got there, their plan was out the window. No longer could they bring their friend through the door and take him to Jesus. But then they had the idea. And I wonder, I was just thinking about this. I wonder who was the first one, right? 
I wonder which one of them was looking around going, you know what, guys? I got an idea crazy enough that it just might work, right? And they're like, well, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Let's go through the roof, right? I don't know if the other guys are like, yes, that's a good idea. Or if they were like, that's, are you crazy? That's not our roof. We, we can't cut through somebody else's roof. But I don't know which side they were on, but eventually they all decided that it was a good idea to cut through another person's roof. Why? Because the mission was that important to them. They were willing to adapt their plan in order to make a way. And again, too often, when we fail to adapt, it's simply because we look at the situation, we see no possible scenario where we can succeed, and so we give up. Listen, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Listen, those of you who are planners, you can make your plans, but understand that ultimately God is still going to guide your steps. God is still going to orchestrate a way for you. God is going to provide an opportunity for you. And oftentimes we stare so long at the closed door that we don't notice the window got open for us, right? There are still moments of opportunity if you're willing to think outside the box and adapt your plan to the scenario that you find yourselves in. There's this old saying that says, adapt or die. All right, if we're unwilling to adapt, things are constantly changing in life. And what always worked may not always work. And so you have to be willing to adapt to what's coming, to, to the new scenarios, to the new changes. There's a, a famous story in the year 2000, Netflix actually went to Blockbuster Video. Some of you may not even know what that is, but back in the day, uh, we used to have to go to an actual building to rent movies. And so there were, you know, hundreds of movies in this building and I would spend two and a half hours, you know, just like you were searching through Netflix. I'm searching aisle by aisle looking for a movie that I wanted to rent. And in the year 2000, Netflix, who at the time was just this male DVD or you know, business, they didn't have the streaming yet. They went up to Blockbuster and they said, hey, we'll sell you our company for $50 million. And apparently Blockbuster had to hold in their laughter at how ridiculous of an idea they thought that was. They're like, listen, we are the kings of movie rentals. We don't need to buy your crappy little company. They weren't taking notice of the changes that were happening in our world. And Netflix did. So after they turned down Netflix, Netflix began to realize that the future was going to be in streaming. And they began to model their company and adapt their company on a streaming platform. Ten years later... Blockbuster is almost completely out of business. As a matter of fact, there's one Blockbuster left in the entire world and they just turned it into an Airbnb. (laughs) And yet Netflix is worth $130 billion. One went out of business. The other one became a multi-billion dollar business. All because one was willing to adapt and the other one wasn't. Listen, scenarios are going to come up that don't seem favorable to you. But you have to be willing to adapt. You have to understand, oh, I don't like, you know, watching services online. I'd rather be in person. Listen, I'd rather be in person too. I don't like talking to a camera. But we have to be willing to adapt because we still want to spend time together. We still want to connect. I still want to be able to minister because I feel like God is still giving me words for you. But you have to be willing to take the time. 
Well, you know, I don't like, you know, having small groups over Zoom. But listen, we got to be willing to adapt. Because what I really don't like is if one of you gets sick and then maybe nothing happens to you, but maybe your grandmother passed away because you passed it on. Listen, we want to be safe. We want to have precautions. There will come a time where we'll open up again, where we'll be in person again. I believe it. I trust in the Lord for that. But for right now, we got to be willing to adapt. Some of you are struggling with feeling lonely. And part of that is your unwillingness to adapt to new models of communication. Of saying, listen, maybe I can't be with these people in person, but I can call them up. I can write letters. I can figure out ways that we can connect that aren't necessarily in person. And that doesn't have to be forever, but it is in this season. And those who are unwilling to adapt, unfortunately, are going to struggle and are going to suffer. Those four men, if they were unwilling to adapt, it wasn't they who were going to suffer as much as it was their friend. The paralyzed man would have never experienced what he experienced if the group as a whole wasn't willing to adapt to a new model or a new way of doing something. And yes, it was crazy. I'm sure the guy who owned the house wasn't happy about their new model, but it accomplished their mission. And because of that, they were willing to do the third thing, which is overcome, right? You have to improvise, you have to adapt, and you have to be willing to overcome. And if you're gonna write something next to that, I want you to maybe write down overcome the real issue because here's the thing uh sometimes we think we're accomplishing something because we've worked really hard but sometimes effort in the wrong area ends up being useless i I was having this conversation with my wife a lot of times especially as a manager when i worked outside of the church there were people who worked really hard at just not the right thing so it's like listen if i pay you to clean the windows and you spend all day cleaning the floor the floor looks great but what i needed was the windows And so you might feel like, yeah, but I did a lot. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you didn't do what I needed, right? And so a lot of times we go to God with what we think we need, but only God really understands what we truly need. Well, here's what I mean in the story. The Bible says that Jesus is moved by the faith of these friends, of this four men who are willing to lower, you know, cut a roof, uh, cut a hole in somebody's roof and lower their paralyzed friend. He was so moved by their faith that he forgave the paralyzed man's sins. Great, right? Except if you're those four friends, you're thinking, dude, I didn't bring him to you so you can forgive his sins. I brought him to you because he's paralyzed. Like, we need you to heal him. We need you to do a physical healing. Like, we brought him so that you could bring him whole. Sometimes we think we need a certain thing when God understands what we truly need. Sometimes we feel like if just, man, if this area of my life is fixed, then I'll be able to overcome it. If I can just manage to do this or if if this little thing just changes, then I'll be able to overcome. You know, like if I could just have a relationship, if someone would just love me the way, you know, I love people, then, then everything will be solved. And God's going, no, it won't. Well, if I can just get this person to like me, I know my life will be better. And God's looking at you going, no, that's not true. You think it's true. Man, if I can just, you know, uh, get into the right school and and land the right career and make enough money, I I know I'll be able to take care of my family and I'll be great and all my problems will be solved. And I need to tell you, friend, that's not true either. See, a lot of times we focus on these external issues that we think if, if they're just solved, we'll be able to overcome. What good would it have been for Jesus to give this man two good legs if those two good legs walked him straight into hell? 
right? This was a spiritual thing that God was doing. First John chapter five, verse three through five. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. God can fix all the issues in your life, right? God can end the coronavirus and make it so that we could all hang out like we used to do. He can fix that one area in your life that you just feel like if it's solved, everything in my life is solved. But if your soul is still off, then none of that really matters. As the Bible says, what good is it to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your own soul? Sometimes we think we have the remedy. It's like, you know, people who go to the doctor and have spent days going on WebMD self-diagnosing and they get to the doctor and they say, hey, listen, I, I think I got stage five cancer and this is why I feel like that and this is what I think is going on. And the doctor goes, yeah, no. You have a cold. Are you sure it's not coronavirus? No, it's it's just a cold. It'll go away in 24 hours, right? Listen, internet is great. Information is out there, but I want to go to professionals who understand things beyond me. And this is why we have God, because oftentimes we think, man, I got this situation. I got that situation. If, if I can fix this, if I can fix that. And in our prayer time, we offer God not only our problems, but our solutions. And God is going, no, 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 no. You got it all backwards. This is the thing that we have to focus on first. Warren Wiersbe once said, forgiveness is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performs. It meets the greatest need. It costs the greatest price. And it brings the greatest blessing and the most lasting results. Jesus could easily heal that man's legs. But he looked at the priority. There's this thing even in the medical community, right? When a, a person comes in to the ER in emergency, let's say it's a gunshot victim. One of the things they do, they have these, these uh, protocols that they walk through. And one of those is airway, right? They want to make sure that the person is breathing. Why? Because they can be bleeding out and you can patch up that bleeder and you can make sure that they're not bleeding out anymore. But while you were doing that, if they were unable to breathe, they're still going to die. So what was the point of patching up a corpse if you didn't focus on what was going to be life-giving or life-threatening? In the same way, there's a lot of external bleeds that we have in this world that we think, listen, if I can solve this, if I can solve that, if I can just get you know the grades that I need, if I can just land the relationship that I want, if I can just make sure that I, I get the amount of money that I want, if I can just make sure that my parents are doing this or that. And we look at all these external things. Meanwhile, your soul isn't breathing. And God is saying, let me breathe life into you before you worry about everything else around you. And as I close, it's good to know that God doesn't end there. Just because that's the priority doesn't mean it's the only thing that he worries about. Because if you look at Mark chapter 2 and you carry on with the story in verse 6 through 12, it says, but some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? 
So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. I need you to understand something. Jesus healed this man, not just so that he can walk, but so that others can come through faith, through his miracle. Oftentimes, when you overcome, it's not just for your sake. God allows these things to happen and navigates us through this so that others can see hope in you as well. You're going to be required in this season to improvise, adapt, and overcome. And I want you to know that it's not just for your sake. Because when one has a breakthrough, it opens the doors for others to have a breakthrough. When people around you see you being able to succeed by the grace of God and by the power of His name, they will have hope that maybe, just maybe, that'll work for me too. So when you do that, when you improvise, when you are able to adapt, when you are able to overcome, just remember... That at the end of this, it's for God's glory, not for your comfort. It's so that we can show everyone else and say, listen, on my own, I would have never been able to do this. It's easy with improvising, adapting, overcoming to pat yourself on the back and say, look what I did. Right? The scenario wasn't good, so I figured out a different way to do it. And, and then when I got to that point, I had to adapt to my surroundings. I had to adapt to the situation. And ultimately, I was able to overcome. But you forget that it's God who gives you the wisdom to improvise. That it's the Holy Spirit that guides you into all the adapting that you need to do. And it's the Lord who will help you to overcome the thing that you don't know or believe you can overcome. Yes, you have a role in it. Yes, you have a part to play. But ultimately, God gets the victory and God gets the glory. So young friend, man, I want to encourage you. Don't quit. Don't freak out in this season. Planners, don't go call, crawl in a hole and cry and scream. <laughs> Improvise, adapt, and overcome. God bless you guys. I love you. Let me just pray for you as we close out. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that in this season where we have no idea what's coming next, we can rest assured that you do. And God, we thank you that your plans are steady. We thank you that you are able to help us when we feel like things aren't going the way that they should go. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you will guide us in everything. That when there's a need to improvise, you would inspire us with the improvisation that's needed. When there's a need to adapt, you will show us the way that we need to go. And when we are able to overcome, Lord, I pray that we would be able to give you all the honor and the glory. God, I pray that we would have the same fortitude that these four friends had on their mission. Lord, that we would have that same fortitude when it comes to reaching our friends for Jesus, when it comes to growing spiritually in our walk, when it comes to succeeding in this school year, that we would be willing to improvise, adapt, and overcome because it is you who is guiding us every step of the way. Father, we thank you for all that, and we pray that all in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you. I love you, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one, Excel.